0: Well, welcome, we're so glad that you guys are here. Welcome, whether you are on site, out on the patio, watching online tonight, we are so thrilled that you are with us. And by the way, can I just say, aren't you guys so excited that Pastor Chuck is back? He is back. And, uh, you know, Chuck, I was thinking about it. Uh, Last week, I had to step in for you, so I thought, since you have your laptop right there... (laughs) Why don't you just teach for me tonight? Is that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would preach this way better than I would. Uh, hey. Uh, well, here, actually, here, I'm going to jump in. No way. What did you guys think of Craig's message last week? Oh. Was that amazing? Yeah. Well, we're glad you're back, Chuck. No question. And uh, hope anybody else who is ill, we, we spent a lot of time praying last week for you. Uh, we hope that you're uh, feeling better. Um, and I'm excited for tonight. We're continuing in our series, The Names of God. I want to pray real, uh, real quick. And then we're going to jump right in tonight. Uh, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And uh, God, we thank you for uh, Pastor Chuck's quick recovery and uh, for those who are on uh, the mend as well. And maybe those who are still ill or have fallen ill in the last couple of days, we do pray for recovery for them as well. Lord, as we dive into your word tonight, as we worship you through diving into your word, God, I pray that uh, your words would be heard tonight. God, that every word that comes from my mouth would be exactly what you want uh, to be spoken here uh, this evening. Lord, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, it had been a very stressful time for Horatio and Anna Spafford, and uh, they had actually lost their son in, the, in 1867, and then in 1871 in the Great Chicago Fire, they lost their entire fortune. And so they began to wonder, why is all of this happening? Horatio, the husband, sensed that the family needed a break. He sensed that they needed to be able to get away from these difficult circumstances and some of the hard things that had been going on in their life. And in the, in the meantime, they were able to have four additional children. And so they just thought, man, this is just a, just a stressful time. And we've gone through a lot as a family. And so they organized a trip for their family. And they were going to go from New York to France on a boat. And they were going to uh, go to France and have an incredible vacation. And at the very last second, Horatio got called away. For some business that he needed to attend to. He was a very successful businessman and needed to stay back. And he assured Anna and his four daughters that he would rejoin them in just a couple of days. He would just be uh, a couple of days behind them. And so uh, they boarded the boat, the V du Havre. That's my f- best French thing. I have no idea what it means and I don't speak French. Um, and uh, so they boarded the boat, sent them off, and he said he would catch up with them in just a couple of days. A couple of days later, tragically, while Anna and the four daughters had set out to France, their ship had actually collided with another ship in the middle of the Atlantic, and 226 people on that boat would perish, including their four daughters. And Anna, who survived, was taken by rescue boat to Wales. And when she arrived there, she sent a telegram to her husband, Horatio, and the telegram read this. Saved alone, what shall I do? You ever asked yourself that question? You ever found yourself asking, what shall I do? I bet for some of you up here, you have asked that question before. What shall I do? Tim, I bet with with Ella and her health and some of the things that your family has experienced in the last few years, you've probably asked that question, what shall I do, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Several times. Yeah, yeah. And, and wondering, what do we do next? What do we turn to? What is it that, what is it that you want us to do, Lord? And there's no question. And the things that we have experienced in our life, for those of us on site in the patio and watching online, you, you heard it tonight. Requests, uh, prayer requests from Naira and Robert, Cynthia, Jim, so many different people who are saying, what are we going to do? What shall I do? And I would guess that as that question has rang through in your mind, you've probably thought, well, we could turn to the Lord. We could do this, or we could do that. You probably ran through a lot of different options in your mind. And if our response, in some of these most difficult circumstances, if our response could call out to a name of God, If our response could be, you know what, I know who I should call out to, and I know what I should call out for, wouldn't that be life-changing? If we could answer that question with, I already know what to do, and tonight we're gonna be talking about Jehovah Jireh, or Yahweh Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. As you've heard throughout this series, the proper name for God, Yahweh, shows up 6,828 times in the Old Testament with over 950 kinds of names for God, different names of God, and no doubt you've heard of many of them in some way, shape, or form. But to understand the multitude of the name that we're talking about tonight, we need some context. Now, here's what's interesting about this particular name, Yahweh Yireh, Yahweh, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, same thing. It shows up in Scripture exactly. One time. (laughs) One time. One time somebody cried out, To the Lord will you provide. Calling out to the name of God, the Lord who will provide. And in order to understand this a little bit deeper, we need to dive deep into the story of Abraham, which is where we're going to be Genesis chapter 22. But before we dive into the story that no doubt you've heard, Genesis chapter 22, we see Abraham and Isaac and a little journey that they take. But before we get to their journey, we got to go back and look at the journey of Abraham and Sarah. Because as you and I read scripture, God has other plans that would have seemed very unlikely to us as a reader and certainly to Abraham and Sarah living that currently. So in Genesis chapter 12, Abraham is 75 years old. Is anybody in here 75 years old? Is anybody in here 75 years old? If you're watching online, type in the chat, I am 75 years old. Chuck, Chuck's, Chuck's online right now, and he's keeping up with the chat. Seriously, he might be watching a game, who knows. Uh, I guarantee you he's in the chat. Chuck, if somebody says that they're 75, you let me know. Abraham is 75 years old and God speaks to Abraham. And God says, Hey, Abraham, uh, so you don't have any kids right now, but here's what's gonna happen. You are gonna have descendants as numerous as the, as the stars in the sky. This is gonna happen for you. And could you imagine a 75? I, 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 I've, I've interacted with some 75 year olds in my life, my grandparents. And um, I'm only speaking for my grandparents, whom I love. I love my grandparents, and uh, I will say this about a 75-year-old: they um, they love their ways. Sometimes, if you know what I'm saying, they love the fact that they have lived life, and they're like, "You can't tell me what is going to happen or what's going to happen. I'm doing it my way. I'm 75. I've got some life experience." So I can only imagine Abraham's like, "I'm going to descendants? Really? As numerous as the? I'm 75." I don't have any kids this is this is going to be this is going to be really creative so that happens when he's 75 Flash, uh, flash forward 10 years later he is now 85 and God speaks to Abraham in a vision and he promises that he will have a son declaring that the that what will happen is those descendants will be as numerous as the sky and you'll be a great nation you're gonna be an incredible nation. So you've got, you've got him, this promise from God that he's gonna be a father of many nations and then you've got, he's gonna have a son at 85 years old and he's gonna have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. Anybody 85? I would guess that if by math there's nobody 85. Chuck, anybody 75 yet in that chat? No one's 75 yet. And then something powerful happens. In Genesis chapter 21, Abraham is 100 years old. He's 100 years old. I'm gonna say that one more time. He is 100 years old. And God did, get it. God did exactly, God did exactly what he said he would do. He gave Abraham and Sarah a son who would be the fulfillment that God talked about. And they would name him Isaac. Of course, it came none too soon for Abraham who was, dare I say one more time, 100 years old. Could you imagine how precious And how how delicate they must have treated Isaac. This is the promise. This is the 25 years in in the making that we waited for this child. And I guarantee you that his journey didn't just start when he was 75, being like, you know, I really could use a son. Because having kids that day and having an heir so that you could pass this off and being able to pass off an inheritance was a huge deal. It carried on your name. It meant something really important. And so this wasn't just a 25-year thing. This had to have been nearly a 100-year thing. Could you imagine how delicate you would, you, would, you would care for something if you waited for something for 100 years? These are parents caring for a child. And I have to believe this is where we get the term helicopter parents. Straight from Abraham and Sarah. Has to be. Because they didn't want, they wrapped him in bubble wrap, sent him off to school, made sure nothing happened to him. Why? Because they waited so long for him. Such a long time. And of course, for Abraham and Sarah, they're like, well, this is it. This is, the, this is, the, this is how this is going to get carried on. This is how we are going to now have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. And we can now just move on and everything's gonna be great and the story's gonna be great and we'll just make sure that we take very, 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 very good care of this child and nothing happens to him. Oh, but Genesis chapter 22. Yeah, that's right. Genesis chapter 22 starts like this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, Yes, Isaac. I love that, by the way. I love that, because he says, take your son. And he's like, you mean the one wrapped in bubble wrap? That one? He says, yes, your only son. Okay, wait, you mean my son that I have, the, the, the only son that I have, and then, um, and then God, just to, just to be crystal clear, so that they're on the same page, as says, yes, Isaac, that one. Abraham's like, okay, all right, I'm, I'm with you. And then he says this, He quadruples down on this. He says, yeah, the one that you love so much. The one you love so much. And go to the land of Moriah. Woo! Vacation time. We're gonna be feeling good. This is gonna be great. And then God drops it on him and says, go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains which I will show you. I feel like I didn't hear that right. I feel like the bubble wrap was popping and I couldn't quite hear what was going on. And, And it says, Surely go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering. And I guarantee you that Abraham had to be asking himself the very same question that Anna Spafford, sitting in Wales wondering what just happened, was asking herself with this question What shall I do? What shall I do? In verse one, it says that God wanted to test Abraham's faith. This word right here is an interesting one. This word actually comes from the Hebrew word nasah, which means to test or to try or to prove. Now for you and I, when we think of the word test, we our minds automatically go to, I have to take an exam, and there's either a right answer or there's a wrong answer. But this isn't the kind of test that God is referring to. You see, what God is referring to in this moment, in this scenario, oftentimes when he interacts with us and he wants to test us, he wants to test you. He wants to test me. He wants to test all of you guys. He wants to test Abraham. What he is actually intending on doing is he is interested in testing some some sort of value or quality or attribute by doing this, by stretching it to its limits. So if you think about that and we reread that, it says sometime later, God wanted to stretch Abraham's faith to the limits. He wanted to stretch his faith to the limits. You ever been pushed? You ever been pushed to your limits? You ever been pushed to your, Brianna, you're, you're, a, you're a parent. How many kids do you have? I have two. You have two kids. And I would, and I would venture to believe, I, I would go out on such a far limb to say, and very confidently say, I would guess you have been stretched, you have been pu- pushed, and, and, and pulled to your limits limits with kids.
1: I would confidently say that that happens several times a week. At least.
0: <laughs> several times today, several I'm sure, right? Several times today. Yeah. And this is often what happens to us, right? We get stretched to our limits. And most of the time, there's a lot of circumstances that happen that we don't bring that upon ourselves. They just happen. Like a diagnosis of some kind. Those things just sort of appear. But I bet for all of us in here, we think that sometimes that stretching and that, that, that sometimes happens because of, because of our doing. That we find ourselves that because of our lack of obedience the first time, now all of a sudden I'm being stretched out of my comfort zone. You don't have to go any farther than read the book of Jonah to see that and to see his journey of being like, you know what, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna, I'm gonna disobey God, I'm gonna run the other way. And he found himself in the belly of a fish. And so I would venture to guess that oftentimes when we see things being stretched, whether they are happening because they just happened to us or because maybe we caused it, the truth is we don't like being stretched to our limits. We don't like being pushed to our limits. And in most of these cases, what's happening is this. He's truly testing the faith or the faithfulness of the individual and all of this is predicated on one thing. You ready for it? It's obedience. It's obedience. And for Abraham, it's no different. And so, starting in verse 3, what, what, what does he do? He gets up the next morning which is remarkable. He didn't just do it immediately, he actually did it the next morning. He thought, all right, let's, let's go about this the right way. And so he, he, gathers, he, gathers, he gathers a donkey, he saddles it up, he goes and he chops wood and he gets everything together. He grabs Isaac, because that's probably an important part of this illustration that is, is happening right before our very eyes. And then he goes and he grabs a servant and they begin to go. And then he spends three days on the journey it wasn't like it was like Mount Moriah is just in the backyard and like take a hike up there and go do that. It was a three-day journey to go to the place that God called him to go to. And so he goes for three days and they finally get to the spot. And in verse five, he says this. He looks at his, he looks at his uh, servant and he says, stay here with the donkey. And then he says, the boy and I will travel a little farther and we will worship there and we will come right back. We will come right back. So they walk up and Abraham's got the pile of wood and he makes a little altar and he grabs Isaac and, 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 and he makes sure everything's good and Isaac turns and he's looking around and Isaac's actually carrying the fire and, and, and he says, dad, where's the, um, probably swallowing very hard, Where, where's, the, where's the sacrifice? Where's the thing that we're gonna, kind of looking around and Abraham says to him, he says this, He says, God will provide a sheep, in verse 8, God will provide a sheep for the burnt offering, my son. He will provide a sheep. And then it says this, and they both walked on together. They both walked on together. Now, before we go any further, I I would venture to guess, some of you guys have had this question swirling in your mind, or maybe it's been in your mind before, and you've never really thought uh, maybe to, to, to dive a little bit deeper. Why in the world would God ask Abraham to go do something like this? What is the significance of this? What's interesting is, in that day and age, bear with me for a second, as grim and as, and as uh, disgusting as this sounds, child sacrifice was a thing. Child sacrifice was a real thing because there were other lowercase g gods that said, like the, the, the god of, infer, uh, of fertility would say that if you want to remain fertile, if I have blessed you with this, this lowercase g god, this false god, there was this belief that if I blessed you with this, you got to give back to me. you got to make an appeal to the gods. And so you got to give something back. Well, if, if it's giving back an, an animal, it could have been an animal, uh, it could have been crops, it could have been a child. Now what's interesting is this all of those lowercase g gods were all interested in what they could get. They were all interested in what they could receive. And this was different because the capital G God, Yahweh, Jehovah Jireh, he wasn't interested in taking, he was interested in providing. Mm -hmm. And so what happens is Abraham is beginning to understand some of this. Abraham is beginning to believe some of this and there's a couple of reasons why but before we get there you're probably thinking like I've traditionally thought as I've looked through Abraham and I look at different things in the Bible I'm looking and I'm like well it's just this beautiful story where Abraham did all the right things and of course he of course this story's going to turn out the way that it's going to turn out of course all these guys in the Bible get blessed with stuff of course all of this happens you know why because they did everything right and I'm not like that well you'd be fooled if you thought that Abraham did everything right. Flash back to when Abraham is 86 years old, okay? 75, he's gonna be a father of, great, of a great nation. He's gonna be the father of many nations, all these things. And then flash forward to 85 when God's like, I'm giving you a son and he, through you, through that son, you're gonna have descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky. One year later when he's 86 years old, something happens. Something happens. You see, Sarah and Abraham were a little impatient because Sarah decided that she would give her servant, Hagar, to Abraham, because they're sitting around wondering, well, this thing, we thought by one year from now, since God told us we would have a child, that we'd have a child, and it's not happening, let's make this happen. God doesn't really provide. He forgot. He doesn't know. He doesn't care. He doesn't see. So Sarah takes her servant, Hagar, and offers her to Abraham and says, I need you to sleep together. Abraham, I've often wondered Abraham's response where it's like, I'll take one for the team. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know if that was his reaction, but they slept together and they had a child. And that was not the child that God was thinking of when it came to the descendants. That was not his plan. And oftentimes when we choose to not believe or pray to or, 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 or worship Jehovah Jireh, all of a sudden we think, well, he ain't providing, so I'm gonna do it on my own. You see, now Abraham has had some experience with understanding what it looks like to take matters into his own hands. And so you better believe that there's probably been moments where Abraham was either a slow study or a quick study in certain things, and I would venture to guess that through some of the responses I'm seeing in this, in this particular uh, verse here, in this, these two verses, verses four uh, and five, there's something that sticks out to me. I wanna point those out to you. The first thing is this. Look at verse four. Look at verse four. It says this. On the third day of their journey, on the third day of their journey, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance. Third, the third day. That's the first thing that sticks out to me. Abraham had plenty of time to talk himself out of this. I want to go back and remind you of what God asked him to do. I need you to go sacrifice your only son that you've been waiting for decades to have. And it wasn't like it was just this immediate, like up there, God called him to go three days away to, to Mount Moriah. You and I, if we have a hard thing to do and we haven't done it by day three, it ain't happening. <laughs> right? The hard thing ain't happening. It absolutely, I mean, just by show of hands up here, how many of you, you jump into, watching online, out on the patio, you make some noise on the patio if you want, maybe we'll hear you. How many of you have have been, have literally talked yourself out of doing something that you didn't want to do? You're like, I got to do this really hard thing, and I don't really want to do it, and so, yeah, all of our hands are up, right? Because we've all done that. We've all talked ourselves out of this. Imagine how grueling this must have felt for Abraham. But here's what happens. Oftentimes, it's our feelings that get in the way of our obedience of the Lord. Oftentimes, it's the way that we feel that blocks our ability to be able to obey God. Which begs this question, when are you most tempted to follow your feelings instead of following the Lord? Maybe you've been here, you've, you've thought, well, I feel like I should date this person because we're compatible even though they're not a Christian. Maybe you've been in this position where you think, man, I feel like it would help my career if I lied, cheated, st- stole something because honestly, I don't really see another way that I could advance up the corporate ladder and this might be a great way to appease my boss. I don't see any other way. Or maybe you've been here. For my wife and I, we've been here before. When we first got married, we always thought this. You know what, I, f- I feel like we should finally start tithing once we make more money. Because we don't have enough right now. That's why God calls us to give, us, to give the, the first. So that way when we get to the end, we'll always spend it all. We'll, always, we'll, never, we'll never have margin, right? That's why God says, give me the first because I want you to trust me with the rest. Or maybe it's been, you know what, I don't feel like forgiving her because, you know what, she didn't forgive me, so I don't feel like forgiving. You see, God doesn't want us to wait until our feelings agree before we obey his commands. Mm -hmm. That's why James chapter four, verse 17 says this. It says, remember, remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then you don't do it. It's a sin when it's not just like the things that you do that are bad. This is now one that is flipped up on its head that says it's a sin when you know what you ought to do, but you don't do it. You see, we tend to feel our way through trials instead of obey our way through trials. And while God does deeply care how we feel, it's never our feelings that we should be making decisions from, especially when it comes to obeying the Lord, because oftentimes it takes a lot of courage to obey the Lord, it takes a lot of grit. It takes a lot of surrender. It takes a lot of dying to ourselves, choosing to say I'm not gonna, I'm gonna gonna deny myself that because I know that's not what the Lord wants. I know it's not what the Lord wants. You see, there is unparalleled wisdom in trusting the Lord. Jeremiah chapter 17, verses five through seven says this. This is what the Lord says. Cursed are those who put their trust in mere humans who rely on human strength and turn their hearts away from the Lord. They are like stunted shrubs in the desert with no hope for the future. They will live in the barren wilderness in an uninhabited salty land. Verse seven, check this out. But blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. Blessed are those who trust the Lord. You see, our call to obedience is to trust that the Lord will provide as we place our hope and our confidence in him. And Abraham had three days to talk himself out of this thing. Three days. Talk himself out of this call to obedience. But instead of feeling his way through the trial, he obeyed his way through the trial. The second thing that sticks out to me is this. So we've got the three-day journey thing, right? And then check out his faith when he looks at his servant and he says, we will go worship there and then we will come right back. That's a mic drop right there. You see, Abraham had, Abraham had reason to trust God. Abraham had full reason to trust God. Why? Because he had seen God faithful before. And in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 17 through 19, check this out. The writer of Hebrews says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. And even though, uh, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son whom your descendants will be counted, Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would just bring him back to life again. Right. So we're going to go up to that mountain, and we'll be right back. And that was his response. You see, Abraham had great faith that the Lord would provide. God promised him land. God came through. The Lord provided. God promised him a great nation, and the Lord provided. God promised him a son. God provided. You see, God had been faithful in the past, and God was ready to be faithful in the present, and God was sure to be faithful in the future. Where do you need to be reminded that God can and will do it again in your life? Where is that? Because... For my wife and I, when we left Crossroads three and a half years ago in one of the most difficult decisions that we've ever made, and we prayed a lot about it, and we, we genuinely believe this is what God wanted, and I have no doubt that that's what he wanted for us, and we learned a great deal. Our hearts are always stitched into this place, no question. Probably why we're back. Um, and we had many months to prepare for this. We had many months to to, to sort things out and get things taken care of up north. And you know what never happened for us when we first got there in August? We didn't have a house. In fact, we had to move in with my wife's brother and his wife who were incredibly gracious and opened up their home to us. And the Lord provided us a home with them for four months. And then you know what God did? The Lord, he provided. And he brought us a home. Fast forward three and a half years later, nothing's changed. We had plenty of months to come back. We got a great transition back in. And so we started looking and looking and looking and looking. We didn't find a house. We're living with family right now in Fullerton. Praise God we go against traffic. I'm just going to give the Lord that right there. That is, that's how I knew the Lord was in it, right? That's how I knew the Lord was in it. Um but we're not worried. You know why? Because God's done it once and he's gonna do it again. I've got reason to look back and say God was faithful then, he's gonna be faithful now. The Lord will provide. And you know what's interesting is so many of us, we're calling out to Jehovah Jireh in our lives right now. We are asking God to provide something. We are asking God for some sort of tangible blessing in our life. Sometimes we're looking for freedom because we've got, a, we've got a herd, a habit, a hang up, We're going through something and we're like, God, would you just take this away? Would you provide freedom for me? Would you provide healing for me? Would you provide a friend for me? Would you provide a job for me? And oftentimes we call out for that. But you know what I've learned about this church? You know what I've learned about these people, you? watching online, out on the patio, right in here tonight, is this, we are a generous bunch. We are a generous bunch. And we wanna provide opportunities for that. And so one of the things that we wanna to do tonight is this. Many of you guys have been blessed with, with, with uh, incredible skills. Like, you guys can do stuff. Some of y'all can go strap a roof on a house in, in half a day. Some of you guys can, some of you guys can, can pour concrete in, in your sleep, some of you guys have, can, can landscape like nobody's ever seen before. And God's blessed you immensely in some of those ways. And those are some of those tangible things. And so I want to invite you to do something that if that's you, if you've got something, if God has blessed you in a way where you're like, you know what? I can swing a hammer pretty good. I can line up plumbing really good. I mean, you know what? I don't know what plumbers do. I can, I can get that copper piping or whatever it is that plumbers do. And, uh, and... I could, I could be a blessing to somebody. I've got some time in my schedule. I've got some openings. And man, if there was anybody that needed a, a, a blessing, I, I could help. And so here's what I want to do. If you, if you are that, if you have that, if you, if you have a skill or a knack for something, do, do this. Text the word skills to 77247. Text that. You'll get a kickback. And it's just a, a really basic way to just provide what, what is it that you're good at. Because there are some people out there crying out to Jehovah Jireh saying, God, I need you to provide. And oftentimes, we're ready to jump in. We just don't know how to do that. And so if we could take the need here and the blessing here and bring it together, man, we are all about that. And so if you text skills to 77247, you could be a part of that. And we're excited in partnering with you, that people are excited to partner with you knowing that someone's calling out to Jehovah Jireh. Somebody is calling out, Lord, would you provide Lord, would you provide? And no doubt they're asking this question right now. What shall I do? What shall I do? God, I'll call out to you, but what do I do in the meantime? What shall I do? You see, Abraham was expectant that he would do it again. Abraham was expectant that God would show up, and sure enough, they arrived to the place that God had told them to go, and Abraham builds this altar. He takes all the wood that he brought, and he builds this altar, and then he takes his son, Isaac, and he lays them up on the altar, and he ties them to it. And I can only imagine Isaac being like, I knew it. But he goes, and all we know is he just lays on that altar, and Abraham takes the knife, and he raises it up, and as he's about to come down, Abraham, yes! Woo! I've never answered that quickly to my wife before, but praise God I heard my name. Abraham, don't do it. I'm here. Don't do it. Don't do it. It says, "Don't." verse 12, it says this. Don't lay a hand on the boy. Do not hurt him in any way. For now I know that you truly fear God. You have not withheld from me even your own son, your only son. And then Abraham looked up and he saw a ram caught in a thicket and he went over and he grabbed the ram and he sacrificed the ram in Isaac's place. And he named that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. The interesting thing is this. The word Jireh just by itself literally means to see. It means to see. But when you take Jehovah Jirah, you take the, 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 the combination of it, it becomes the Lord will provide. Do you believe that God sees? Do you believe that we worship a God who sees our struggles? Do you believe that we worship a God Who sees our pain, who sees where we fall short, who sees the incredible need that we have physically, emotionally, spiritually. Do you believe that? Because is the God that sees it, but but Jehovah Jairus is the God who will provide it. He is the God that will provide it. Amen. Absolutely. And here's what's remarkable about Abraham's story. He had to go the whole journey. He had to endure the whole thing. The whole thing. Which makes it incredibly challenging. Because what if Abraham didn't go the whole way? He never would have discovered Jehovah Jireh. He never would have discovered that it is the Lord that will provide. And I thought about this a little bit more and I thought, if he doesn't do that, what if... We never knew that Jehovah was Jehovah Jireh, that the Lord will provide. And you see that example right there, that example of faith that we see from Abraham is the only example that we have where Jehovah Jireh is used in Scripture. And maybe, just maybe, the only person who some people might see as an example of Jehovah Jireh trusting that the Lord will provide, you might be that only example for somebody. Do you believe? of all that you are, that we serve, that we love Jehovah-Jireh. You see, Abraham answered this question, what shall I do with, he answered it with total obedience. For Horatio and Anna, Spafford, their what shall I do Questions stared them right in the face. Stared them right in the face, and after receiving this telegrammed message from Anna, Horatio boarded a boat, and he made his way to Wales, And as they were making their way across the Atlantic Ocean, the captain of the ship, knowing why Horatio was headed to Wales, called him to the captain's deck when they were getting ready to pass over where the ship had sunk. He called him in and he said, this is the spot right here. This is it. And Horatio was overcome with emotion. So he ran back to his cabin in the boat and he sat there and he wrote a poem. And that poem would eventually be turned into a song that you and I still sing today. That song is, It Is Well With My Soul. You see, Horatio understood this truth, that even in the midst of my intense pain, even in the midst of something that I can't fathom, God, why would you be stretching me to my limits with this? He understood this. You know what? It is well with my soul. I trust the Lord. The team's actually gonna sing this song. And I would love for this song just to be a a, a blessing over you as you contemplate these words. As you hear these words sung out, as you see the words on the screen. Asking yourself this question, is it truly well with my soul this current test that I'm in the middle of, this current trial that I'm in the middle of, this current battle that I'm facing. Let's pray. Father, I um, ask that you would use this song in a way, Lord, now that we have context to it, that it would just minister to us in this moment. Lord, I pray that this song would be something that we look at, that as we hear these words, they just pour into us, and what they are for us is, is that they're actually an encouragement to us. God, I thank you that you are Jehovah-Jireh. You are the Lord that will provide. And so God, as we sing this to you now, as we listen to these words, as we read these lyrics, may they just be the cry of our heart and may it be true of our current standing with the battle that we face now.
1: He got cloud.
0: Matthew Spafford would say this later, I am glad to trust the Lord when it costs me something. For God, it cost him something for us on our behalf. You see, God saw the gap that existed between us and him when sin entered the earth. What's incredible about the story of Abraham and Isaac, where we learn about Jehovah Jireh is this, is that that sacrifice that was asked for was spared. But God, he sent a sacrifice, his son Jesus to this earth, declaring this, that if you and I believe in him, that we declare him the Lord of our life, And if we surrender our lives to him, we'll have have eternal life. If you've never said yes to Jesus, if you've never said yes to the God who is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord will provide, he provided a sacrifice on your behalf. And in a room this size, for those watching online on the patio, There are some that need to say yes to that sacrifice that that need to say, God, I'm tired of doing it my way. I'm ready to do it your way. And I need to say yes to that sacrifice that you sent to this earth because you thought of me. So I wanna give you an opportunity to do that. Would you pray with me? Father God, I thank you so much for the incredible story of Abraham and Isaac that foreshadowed what you would do on our behalf, sending your son Jesus to this earth. pray for anybody in this room anybody watching online out on the patio anybody that needs to say yes to you anybody that needs to finally surrender themselves to the only sacrifice that matters to the only sacrifice that would cover a debt that we couldn't pay on our own and jesus we thank you for it if that's you if you want to say yes to him if you want to cry out to Jehovah Jireh tonight he's provided you with a gift and all you have to do is receive it all you have to do is say yes the way that we do that around here is through a prayer and if that's you would you repeat this prayer silently to yourself would you just repeat this say Lord Jesus thank you thank you for your love thank you for your forgiveness thank you for thinking of me Thank you for providing Jesus. I say yes to him. Fill me with your love. Make me new, make me yours. And it's in Jesus name I pray, amen. And amen if you prayed that prayer just now, amen. If you prayed that prayer online, way to go. I invite you to actually text the word amen to 77247 or you can go to crossroadschurch.family. We would love to follow up with you. What an incredible decision. Thanks again for joining us. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus today, we hope you'll text amen to 77247 so we can provide you with the resources to help you on this journey. If this message resonated with you or you need prayer for something, would you let us know in the comments below? Our team reads every comment that comes through and we love interacting with you. If this message added value to your life, click the subscribe button and turn on post notifications so that you'll never miss out on a new message. We're live on Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. right here online and Sundays at 9 a.m. and on demand anytime after that. Thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.